0: Y'all, before we get to the show, here's another podcast that we think you should check out.
1: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? Good. You know what I'm sick of? What? Ted Bundy. Jeffrey Dahmer. Gacy other well-known <laughs> serial killers. No, for real though. I'm tired of hearing about the same cases over and over and over. Me fucking too. That's why we created Luminol True Crime. We are a true crime, conspiracy theory, aliens, strange happenings podcast. We talk, you listen. And And then then it it ends. ends. So we are Luminol True Crime, and we are here for all of those cases that you actually haven't heard of yet, which there are surprisingly a lot of them. Every week, we choose a new theme. Check us out. We release episodes every Wednesday. They're full length, about an hour long each. And we talk about different cases you probably haven't heard of. We have a beer, we enjoy it, and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. So we think that you'll really like it. Yeah, join us. And listen to Luminol True Crime. Bye, kids. Bye, Luminati
0: previously on Murder in Alliance.
2: She had come to you saying she had pissed off the wrong
3: person.
0: She had so many secrets. It's like three phases that I know of her
4: life. She was dating a cop. They said they thought she was pregnant and she probably tried to blackmail the daddy. I knew that she
2: would tell people that she was pregnant and then ask for money for an abortion. That's how she would send
4: money to Eric when he was in the joint. I think she was pregnant. She had a belly on her when
1: I seen her.
2: And she would shake them down and say, I'm going to tell your wife or something. She has some dark sides to it. I don't know how
1: she kept
4: everything straight.
0: This is Murder in Alliance an active investigation into who killed Yvonne Lane. I'm Maggie Freeling. Now that we've heard firsthand from an expert about the type of person she believes could have killed Yvonne Lane, someone angry who knew Yvonne personally, and had a reason to attack her with vengeance, and we've heard how botched the crime scene was, how the scene didn't match what Joe said, I think it's important to take a close look at who exactly the detectives were on the case and turn the tables. Instead of putting the victims under the microscope, I wanna put the cops under it and look at their records and try to figure out why this case was such a mess. I've already talked about a couple of Alliance police officers, like Quentin Artis, a patrolman who Yvonne allegedly said had started harassing her after a traffic stop. Artis is now a registered sex offender. Then there was Officer Rick, whose last name I'm keeping private for now, who detectives told the psychic was rumored to be dating Yvonne and possibly the father of her youngest child. But now I want to focus on the four detectives assigned to the case. As you may know already, if you've been digging through case files on Patreon, they were detectives Lloyd Bud Sampson, William Mucklow, Mark Welsh, and John Leach. And I want to start with John Leach. On April 1st, 1999, Detective Leach was not on duty, yet he was called in to help. Here's Detective Sampson in his 2008 deposition. You've heard clips from before.
5: He was there to assist us. It was actually his day off when he got called in.
6: I was just going to ask you that. Was it, is it true that he was called in off vacation to help with this case?
5: Oh, he was called in. I'm, whether or not it was vacation or not, I don't recall that. But okay. yeah, he was called in. But
6: uh, did you make the decision that, that his help would be? No,
5: I did not. Uh, do You know, who did? No, I do not.
6: But somebody did, and so Leach was called in on um, at least a day off or time off and helped you guys with the case.
0: Yes. Samson says there was no, quote, lead detective on the case. But according to Samson, he and Bill Mucklow did most of the investigative work. Leach was mostly on the case to assist, like Mark Welsh. In fact, I won't go into Mark Welsh much because he wasn't a big part of the case at all. Detective Bill Mucklow, told attorneys in his 2008 deposition what little we know about Mark Welsh.
7: Mark wasn't a detective at the time. He was a patrolman, just, you know, doing patrol, and the chief said, uh, can I do anything for you? Can I give you anybody to to help expedite this? Because we were just Mm -hmm. inundated with information and looking at the things. And he asked me who I thought would be a good investigator, and I told him Mark Welsh. Because Mark is very articulate, um, he's a good interviewer, and I said, "We have Mark in that temporary time period of time for like three months." We got Mark, mm-hmm. and he teamed up with John Leach. Okay,
0: the rest that I know about Mark Welsh comes from newspaper articles that featured him in 2013 and 2017. He started in law enforcement part time in 1992, then joined the Alliance Department around '98. He worked there four years and then got fired in 2003 for falsifying his timesheet and activity log. He appealed, but the firing was upheld by an arbitrator who said his dishonesty compromised his integrity. Welsh took another job with the Salineville Police Department and then was hired back by the Alliance Police in 2011, where he works to this day. As Samson said, Welsh was paired on Yvonne's case with John Leach. Leach joined the Alliance Police Department in 1975 as a cadet at age 19, but he resigned just eight months later for reasons unknown. Detective Leach rejoined the force again seven years later as a probationary patrolman, and almost 10 years later, in 1991, he became a detective. Not much is known about Leach's time on the force, which I'll get to later, but I've heard a lot of rumors about his departure. After Yvonne's murder, Detective Leach was reassigned back to patrol in September 1999. And then in 2001, he left the force. According to rumor around town, Leach was fired. But the only document I could get from the Alliance Police Department lists him as leaving as, quote, retired with disability. It's unknown what Leach did after retirement for the next three years. But in 2004, he became a temporary instructor at Stark State College until 2007. A Stark State official couldn't give me any more than that in terms of what he taught and why he left. The records didn't go back that far, and she could only see his payroll ended in 2007. Now, if you remember, Dwayne Pullman, the investigative reporter from Ohio, spoke to John Leach in his special. And that's because George Hale, allegedly picked out a cop in the first lineup he was given. And Hale told Dwayne that the person he saw leaving Yvonne's looked like John Leach. And the person he picked out in the lineup also looked like John Leach. So Leach was always interesting to Dwayne.
2: If you told me one person, one person to crack this case, it's Leach. Okay. Leach is the guy. He was on vacation and
5: um, ended up taking over the crime scene for the murder. That's why I was
4: interested in him.
0: Samson and Mucklow said they don't know who called Leach in that day. Dwayne said he worked for about three years investigating the case before his TV special aired. And in that time, as you've heard, he had a sit-down with John Leach. And if you've seen the episode, he also confronts him outside a building and puts the heat on.
2: John Leach was a key detective in the case. Did you know who he identified? I
0: No,
3: I
2: don't. He a police officer. That's, okay. that's before the investigation.
3: Okay. Well, like I said, I do remember it coming down to the point that he was not a reliable witness.
0: The special aired in 2006, and John Leach left Stark State in 2007. The only thing we know about John Leach right now is he doesn't want to be found. Here's Sampson in his deposition. Do you
6: know where Detective Weech is?
5: Somewhere in Maryland.
6: Somewhere in
0: Maryland. Have you been in touch with him since you've been somewhere in Maryland? Yes, I have. Yes,
6: you have? Um, He refused
5: to give me his address. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that funny? Because he didn't want to be subpoenaed.
0: By subpoenaed, Sampson means for the same deposition about David Thorne's case with David's appellate attorneys that he and Mucklow were subpoenaed for. Here's Mucklow's answer.
6: Do you know where John Leach is?
7: No, I don't. I think I I believe he moved to Baltimore. To Baltimore. Yes.
6: Would you know how to get in contact with John
5: Leach?
7: I don't have any up. You know, I don't have any updated phone numbers or address on him now. Maybe the city does. I don't know.
0: Now, here's the other very odd thing about John Leach in Ohio. Police disciplinary records are public. And for this case, we were able to get the personnel files of all the officers involved that we requested, except John Leach. According to Alliance Police Sergeant Michael Yarian, the police records supervisor, Leach's file is missing. So in terms of figuring out why Leach actually left and if he had any misconduct of any kind, we'll never know. But what we do know is he doesn't want to be found. And like Dwayne, I wonder why. Do you ever feel like you're being followed around the internet? Maybe advertisers know a bit too much about you. Our new sponsor, IPVanish VPN, is here to help you take back your privacy and help you become more anonymous on the internet. IPVanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. And let me tell you, as a journalist, this is amazing for me. I downloaded it. It took two seconds to set up. And now I don't have to worry about my privacy. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, iPhones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted, what you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever you're doing. And you get anonymous IP addresses. You can circumvent any online censorship. You get protection while using public Wi-Fi and 24-7 support. So again, go to ipvanish.com MIA and claim your 65 savings. Plans starting at just $349 or $31.49 a year. This is the time to sign up with our discount and get a VPN. With their current promotional offerings, you can save 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot. And that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Remember, it's IPVanish.com mia to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Unlike Leach, I do have Bill Mucklow's personnel file. Mucklow started working at the Alliance Police Department in 1979 as a college intern. He was formally hired a few years later in September 1982 at 25 years old. Mucklow's career as an Alliance officer is pretty standard fare. Based on news coverage, he usually handled small-scale stuff like bar fights and the occasional arson. His personnel file is fairly small, with lots of letters from the department and the public commending his job as an officer. His internal evaluations are average. Really, the only thing that stands out about the six-foot-five, 245-pound officer is that he needs to look, quote, less disheveled. After reviewing his whole file, Mucklow actually seems like an all-around decent guy I don't see any disciplinary actions in the file that would explain why this investigation was so shoddy. Except that usually in small towns, it's slim pickings for the force. And Mucklow was a below average student graduating high school with a 2.5 GPA and college ranking 438 out of 710 students.
2: Well, you ready? Fuck, we're here already. We're here.
0: John, Danny, and I went to Mucklow's home to see if we could talk to him. But his wife answered.
2: Hi, can I help you? hi there. Hi. Is uh, Mr. Mucklow
0: here? Um, William Mucklow? This is his wife. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Can I ask hi. What is concerning? Sure. Mucklow um, retired from the Alliance Police Department in August 2006 out. at 49 years old after suffering a heart attack and having bypass surgery. In fact, he's still suffering from heart issues today.
2: I'm disabled is then... Like physically, or what he does his mind is he still?
4: Not all, no. He had massive heart attacks and everything.
2: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that.
4: Yeah, so. Um, okay. and everything, so, but at this time, he doesn't want to... Okay. So, yeah. Okay. He's had plenty of, like, surgeries. He's yeah, disabled in his leg and, and everything. Stress. Yeah, so, yeah,
2: yeah okay. So,
4: that's why he had to
2: resign from the police department, because he uh, had a massive heart attack, and then it's gotten got more. So, okay. So, everything that you need to know should be on the lines, um, uh, the PD stuff. Yes, yeah, so, well, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. You thank, thank you very me. much for your time. Sure,
0: you. Mucklow wasn't going to talk. In fact, it seemed like he knew we were coming and told his wife what to say. Mucklow's family has a GoFundMe page up to help with the dialysis and surgery for a defibrillator. This GoFundMe page is where I found the only photo in 22 years any of us could dig up of Detective Mucklow. But Samson, on the other hand, we have tons of photos of him. He didn't fly under the radar like his partner. And his file is prolific, in comparison, and not in a good way. I'd say a majority of it are complaints and disciplinary actions. And perhaps this explains what happened with the investigation. Because to me, Samson seems to be the lead on the case. David's attorney questioned him about this in his deposition. Who is the lead detective on this case?
5: I don't think there was a lead detective. Okay. Uh, Bill and I did most of the work.
6: But you're saying, your statement today is that you were not lead detective.
5: No, I'm not saying I, we actually had a lead detective. Okay. I mean, Bill and I arrived at the scene at the same time.
6: Okay.
5: Uh, we did a lot of the work together. Okay. I don't think we had a lead detective.
6: Okay. Um, to my memory, you testified at the trial. Yes. And in the PC hearing, post-conviction hearing. Yes. And John Leach did not testify anywhere. No. And nor did Mucklow.
5: Correct.
6: Perhaps at grand jury Mucklow testified, but, you know, outside of that. Right. Okay. Thanks. I think...
5: Does that make me the lead detective? No, no, no. (laughs) I don't know. It does or doesn't. What's the title?
6: You are the detective who testified.
4: Right.
0: But even if Samson wasn't technically the lead, he was a huge part of the case. And his record says a lot about what kind of cop he was. Lloyd Bud Sampson became an Alliance police officer at 30 years old in 1988. Before that, he had graduated from the police academy in 1986 and worked in neighboring town departments. Sampson wouldn't become a detective until 10 years later in 1998, meaning he'd been a detective about a year when Yvonne was murdered. Prior to becoming a detective, Samson's performance evaluations were average, scoring mostly threes and fours out of five on almost all points except for twos on work judgments, volume of acceptable work, and initiative. In fact, initiative, lack of interest, and laziness all come up in Samson's evaluations. In 2002, Sampson requested to be transferred from detective to patrol because he wasn't happy with his detective hours. He said in some emails he preferred to work day shift and said because of this and other grievances, he was being, quote, forced to leave as a detective. Yvonne Lane's case was the only murder case he ever worked as a detective. After his reassignment, things really went downhill for Sampson. By 2009, Sampson had multiple infractions against him, including unbecoming conduct, lack of knowledge of rules and regulations, failure to perform duties as a police officer, and, quote, disturbing behavior. In 2010, after multiple suspensions, Chief Scott Griffith wrote Sampson, quote, I must state that I found your understanding and knowledge of your duty to be very nearly shocking. You are a 22-year veteran of this police department, and your working knowledge of laws and procedures should be much more than it apparently is." End quote. Later that year, Samson was again reprimanded for violating rules and regulations, including insubordination, incompetence, gross misconduct, and truthfulness. The definition of truthfulness, as defined by the APD, is, quote, "...no member of this department shall make a false official report or knowingly cause any official document to be altered in any way that causes it to become inaccurate or misleading." Which brings me to two new names, Greg Cox and Billy Baker.
5: Can you
6: identify that
0: handwriting?
5: It's my handwriting. The entire page? Looks like
0: it. Okay. In his deposition, Sampson was questioned about a page of handwritten notes found in the case file. Can you
6: read
5: to us what it says, please? 615 dollars 1900 at his residence on 29th Street in Canton, Greg L. Cox.
0: According to the notes, detectives got a tip from a man named Greg Cox, in which Cox allegedly told detectives another man named Billy Baker was at a bar with Cox and told Cox about a murder of a woman in which a dude, quote, cut her from ear to ear and had her head smashed in with a TV. Cox allegedly told Samson that he feels Billy didn't murder Yvonne, but that Billy knows who did. Samson noted that Cox was drinking to excess. And when they spoke with him, he expressed himself very explicitly.
5: What
6: did uh, what follow up did you do on this information?
5: Uh, We got, boy, I didn't even remember him. We got his name, I don't know how we got his name, but we went over, or Mucklow and I went over to Canton to interview this guy. I think it was Mucklow. Might even have been Leach.
6: So you and another detective?
5: Yeah, went over and talked to this guy, and this is what we got out of it.
6: Oh, so so from that, you believe you did talk to him?
5: To Greg Cox? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's the one who gave us Well, evidently from this interview, this is what he gave us. Okay.
0: When Sue was doing her own investigation, she also found this document and tracked down Greg Cox. Cox told her he had no involvement in the investigation in any way. He said he never contacted detectives and did not give any information concerning Billy Baker to them. He said Mucklow and Samson never came to his house to speak to him or any person about the death of Yvonne Lane. In fact, he swore to all this in an affidavit in which he wrote, quote, any statement given by any person saying I gave such information is absolutely untrue, end quote. And the clincher? Cox said at this time in 1999, he had been sober for eight years, end quote, Any statement given by any person saying I was intoxicated during this time is absolutely untrue. This information is defamatory and directly opposed to the work I was doing with the organizations I was involved with." Meaning the alcoholic recovery programs he was part of. So I decided to call Greg Cox. I read your affidavit, and I just wanted to, you know, confirm with you that what you said in that is true, and that you never spoke to the police about Billy Baker. No, I didn't. I, I, and so, I guess I'm wondering. And, 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 I, I'm telling you, this is all so
4: freaking weird. That yeah. I don't know shit. You know, excuse my language, but
0: yeah. I it's just mean, so bizarre. How do you think your name came up in this?
4: I don't know.
0: Right. Did you ever have any involvement with the police? Would there be a reason why they, you know, tried to say you said this? Who? Did you ever talk to Billy Baker? Like, did you ever ask him after the fact?
4: No, I haven't seen him. And uh, matter of fact, I think he's dead.
0: Yeah, I think he is.
4: I used to work for his brother, Roger. Okay. That's how. That's how I know Billy Baker. Now, how Billy Baker knows Eric and Yvonne, I got no clue. Right. Unless they met in prison,
0: whatever. I don't know
4: because I know Billy had been to prison.
0: You did not know Detective Sampson. Who? Detective Sampson. No. Because he's the one who wrote the report, and you did not know him. No. Is your opinion that they just completely made this up? Yeah. Somebody did. Okay. This summer, I am just looking forward to relaxing. I've been working nonstop, and I just want to sit around at a barbecue or on the beach chilling out. And part of that is just tuning out and having fun. And to start, I've been playing Best Fiends. And once you start Best Fiends, you won't want to stop. I am on level 50. I'm a beginner, but I love how calming it is to play Best Fiends. My favorite part about Best Fiends are the cute characters and the beautiful graphics, honestly. It looks like a fantasy land, and I absolutely love that stuff. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, and that's what this looks like. Best Fiends is way more fun than other matching puzzle games because of the characters and the graphics. It's just one of those games that makes 30 minutes feel like 30 seconds, and it's totally free to download. With thousands of puzzles to solve, there's something new every day. But the really fun part of Best Fiends is how you strategically team up with each character based on their special abilities to gain extra points and items to level up your fiends. Download the 5-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Y'all, Audible is a sponsor of Murder in Alliance and I'm so happy because I am obsessed with Audible. I am an avid reader. I have a physical library of books in my house, but with all of the running around I do, I find it so hard to sit down and find the time to read without distractions. So instead of sitting down, I can actually listen to my books while doing chores, running around, or taking seven-hour drives to Ohio. I never thought I would love audiobooks as much as I do. And now I'm addicted. I'm currently listening to Dune because the new movie is coming out and I have always had the book on my shelf ready to go and just never had the time. And now I was finally able to digest Dune because of Audible. With Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks ranging from bestsellers, new releases, business motivation, and celebrity memoirs. You can also find binge-worthy podcasts. Murder and Alliance listeners can start a free Audible trial today. Visit audible.com slash unjust or text unjust to 500 Honestly, guys, give it a try. I'm addicted. Visit audible.com slash unjust or text unjust to 500 for your free trial. So what does this mean? There's record of a guy giving police a tip that the guy says he never gave. If the notes are right and Cox did give this tip, that's one thing. But if Cox is telling the truth in his sworn affidavit and never gave the tip at all, then does that mean Samson made it up? Which of course makes me think, did he make anything else up? He was reprimanded by the APD in 2010 for truthfulness. So when was the first time he was untruthful? And for the benefit of the doubt, let's say this lead was true. And Samson did get a tip from Cox about someone claiming to know what happened to Yvonne Lane. What did you do
6: with the information?
5: I don't know if we followed up on William, William Billy Barker or Baker or not. Uh, nothing. I don't recall anything okay. don't at can't. this point.
6: Okay, thank you.
0: For the record, there's nothing in the file about them following up. The only thing is an internal bulletin for Billy Baker, quote, wanted for questioning for a homicide that took place in the city of Alliance, April 1st, 1999. If located, stop and hold for Detective Mucklow and Detective Samson, end quote. In the top right corner in handwriting, it says, quote, I heard other things are working out. Good luck. Mucklow and Samson didn't know what this meant. So Based on what we know about Samson, we also wanted to talk to him.
2: I definitely think he's. I definitely think he knows more. We found
0: him living in what can fairly be described as an above average house worth about double the typical home cost in the county. He lives in the countryside in a new looking home set way back on a huge piece of property down a long driveway lined by flowering pear trees.
2: All right, let's see if we're going to have a slightly more welcome.
0: John and Danny got out of the car and left me in it in the driveway. As they are knocking on the front door, Samson comes walking into the driveway from around back and corners them.
2: Hello, how are you? Good. Are you Mr. Samson? I am. It's good to meet you. I'm John Harden. Good. This is Danny Waxler. What's up? So we are private investigators who work for an innocence project. And so your name came up in a case that we've been asked to look into. Yvonne Lane. Yes, sir. <laughs> you knew it. It's the only one I
3: investigated. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: John and Danny give a quick spiel, and then they get right to
2: it. One of the reasons we wanted to speak to you was we came across this psychic report. Okay. Do you remember going and visiting with the psychic?
3: I have no comment on that. Okay. Yeah. You're not. You're not going. I. I don't really want to get into it. It's been sure. twenty years. I've been retired for eleven. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you. Do you believe that he.
3: Did. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So, what to you is the most compelling evidence against him?
3: Well, like I said, it's all in my reports. Sure. Everything's written down. Some of the things he said and did. It's all been documented. So I just I don't really want to get into it, guys. But yeah. as we
0: know from the gym interview, John and Danny will keep going.
3: I remember
2: Mucklow and you saying that you didn't think that he had done it three months after, and that was when you went to the psychic that you had your doubts that he was responsible. And that's why we're, if he's guilty, we're not
0: gonna I, fight I, to I don't remember that, but yeah. okay. To confirm, they did tell the psychic they didn't believe it was David.
7: I think Bud uh, shares my my thinking here that Dave didn't do it. I don't think Dave had anything to do with it.
0: We're trying to
3: figure out if we're wasting our time on his case or we're not. In my opinion, you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the evidence we had with, against him, to me, was compelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my in my mind, what he did, how he tried to cover it up, how do, how he tried to uh make himself um how do you how do you cameo yourself at locations to prove that he was there you know what he did to make sure people knew he was there like going to that place with that tiger cub and all that stuff to make him he yeah i just feel that he was okay yeah 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 just something i don't want to get into If. They find David Thorne didn't mastermind this. Let him out. I don't give a shit.
0: Why doesn't Samson give a shit? It was his job to figure this out for Yvonne, and yet he doesn't give a shit one way or the other. I want to say I'm shocked, but knowing his record and how the investigation went down, I'm not. Samson is now retired. And drives a school bus.
2: Hey, we appreciate your time very well, much. Well, I
3: hope you guys.
2: We'll see one way or the other. You know, I mean, there are some, you know, you hear these things about okay, we had cops doing this, and then we thought, okay, that's I almost did, never I true.
3: With sister.
2: And she she thinks he did it. Oh yeah.
0: Samson tells John and Danny to talk to David's sister, Gina. He said that Gina believes David did it. Now, this is the first person we've heard of who allegedly thinks David did this, besides the cops and Yvonne's family. And it's his own sister. So why does Samson think
4: this? Gina, you're uh, familiar with Yvonne Lane? Yes, I am. And how's that? My brother um, and her used to date. And your brother was David George Thorne.
0: This is an interview with Detective Leach and Mucklow with David's sister, Gina, April 6th, 1999. During the brief 11-minute interview is a key bit that Gina says. And you come out point blank and ask him about uh, the murder of Yvonne, is that correct? Yes, I did. And um, just tell me briefly, what was the gist of that
3: conversation? What did you ask him? What was his response?
4: I had asked my brother, um, I had mentioned to him that I was very upset with what had occurred, and I asked him if he did it. He said, no. And I asked him if he knew who did it or who was involved. And he told me, no, that he did not.
3: Do you believe the answer to the, for the last
4: question? I believe that my brother did not commit this crime, but I do do believe that he may know what might have happened. Or who
0: was involved. Now, this is the only bit I could find where Gina even remotely says anything about David possibly being involved. So Samson saying that she thinks he's guilty just isn't true. But either way, we wanted to talk to Gina directly. So we called her.
4: Hi, John. This
2: is Gina. Hi, Gina. How are you today?
4: Busy, 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 but I got a few minutes.
2: How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for responding and taking our call. Were you and David close?
4: I felt that we were very close through the years, especially um, even though we're almost 11 years apart. He was like practically my life baby dog growing up, if uh-huh. you will. Yeah. And um, we uh, we definitely remained very close through the years you know my my brother was an altar boy he was a good guy he would go out his out of his way for anybody and I remember at my grandparents house and I said to David I said I'm only going to ask you this one time and one time only I said do you know who killed Yvonne or did you have anything to do with it And he looked at me with a a broken up face and he said, I can't believe you would ask me that. He said, no, I never did it. I don't know who did it. And I would have never had anything to do with it because I grew up without my dad myself. Yeah. I I wouldn't want my son to grow up without his mom or dad.
2: Yeah, that seems to, I mean, that's, that's consistent with everything that we hear about David. Now,
4: this is more
0: emphatic than the statement we heard her give Leech and Mucklow. Did you ever
4: have the thought that
2: maybe David did have something to do with it? Or have you always steadfastly known he did
4: I, you know what, I took David's word as golden when I asked him about it. You know, it was like they twisted my words around and just went right after my brother. Right and that was not my intent ever and so when they arrested my brother i was completely horrified they sat at, at my table and um i said my piece they recorded what they wanted to hear and then when they questioned questioning me they had a recorder that was going and they would continue to turn it on and off as we spoke. They would ask a question and they were, I remember it clicking and and I don't know, but I do know that they twisted all my statements around. It made it sound like I was trying to convict my brother.
2: I see. So do you remember them like stopping The recording then at at times you thought was pretty peculiar for them to do that?
4: I don't know if I remember thinking that way but looking back and seeing how they twisted my statement around because I had seen the statement that they put out that I said and I remember saying I didn't say it that way I didn't say that and, and things like that so If that's what they were doing, they did. But they didn't switch my statements around, most definitely.
0: They altered her statements. And this actually lines up with a completely unrelated court case filed against the Alliance PD, which alleges, quote, the defendant appellant was denied his right to a fair trial when the court permitted the state to introduce and admit tape recordings, which were partial and or edited by the police and not the complete and entire tape, end quote. So if true, did APD do this to Joe's tapes too, Rose and Chris? What was the full conversation before and during these recordings? If police edited them, why? Why? Y'all, we're taking a short season break in order to follow up on leads, tips, and persons of interest. We have a ton of information we can't reveal yet from interviews we've done, and we're going to be following up on new leads as well from listeners and the tip line. You can head on over to the website for all of the tip line and number information. We will be on the ground in Ohio exploring all of those things over the next few weeks, and we will be back in early September with the final six episodes of Murder in Alliance. In the meantime, get your friends and family to listen, and please rate and review to help get more ears on David and Yvonne's story. And if you want extra content in the meantime, sign up for Patreon. We'll be speaking with Brett and Alice of The Prosecutor's Podcast, July 29th, on a Patreon-only get vocal about the trial and appeals. And that will also be available on your Patreon feed. Y'all, if you like this show, please consider joining the Unjust and Unsolved Patreon. It shows how much you care and helps us continue to tell these stories. Plus, you get some awesome bonus episodes, Q&As, and events as a thank you. And please, please rate and review. The more reviews, the more attention, and the more likely we're going to get tips and leads and the right ears will be reached. Murder in Alliance is produced and reported by me, Maggie Freeling, with editorial consulting from Amber Hunt. Aaron Case is our legal intern, and Bob Mallory is our engineering assistant. For more information and resources, go to murderinalliance.com. You can find Murder and Alliance on Twitter and Instagram at Murder underscore Alliance and join the discussion on Facebook at Unjust and Unsolved Podcast Discussion Group. Murder and Alliance is a production of the Obsessed Network. You can find all their shows at ObsessedNetwork.com.